Hello, everyone. Good evening, and welcome to Suvi Church this evening. Um, welcome as well if you're watching us online. It's a good thing to be able to be together and worship God together. It always is. And we've all had our weeks and different things going on in our lives, and we can sometimes feel detached from God or that He isn't involved in our lives, but He is every second of every day. So we worship a sovereign, mighty God who loves us. It's Him that we can cling to, that we can trust and put our hope in. So let's declare that together as we worship Him. Please stand with us and let's sing some songs.
Good evening, everyone. My name's Peter. I'm one of the pastors and elders here, and we come to a really special time of our service. The very first church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to breaking of bread and the prayers. And we continue to do the very same, the very same thing, and to do that's what we're going to do today right here in this service. We fellowship together around the reading and teaching of God's word, prayer, and the breaking of bread, which is what the Apostle Paul calls the Lord's Supper. So last week, last weekend, Jordan shared with us um, the deep meaning and, and the significance of this supper that we share in together as a church. Paul said in Corinthians, he said to the Corinthians, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The, bl- the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake in the one bread. I just want to remind you that this supper is for those who receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour and if you have not yet come to faith in Christ, I ask that you would um, just remain seated during this time. We would love to answer your questions. So if you're new to this and you um, are not aware of what we're doing or if you haven't come to faith in Christ, we'd love to answer your questions. After the service, you can come forward, speak to one of the pastors or even speak to someone around you and, and they will help you and lead you to someone who can answer those questions that you have. But for those who know Christ, I'm going to ask the service to come forward at this time to prepare to serve the Lord's Supper. And as they come forward, I want to read to you a hymn. It's by Austin Miles. It's called Crucify. They nailed my Lord upon the tree and left him dying there. Through love he suffered there for me. T'was love beyond compare. Crucified, crucified and nailed upon the tree with pierced hands and feet inside for you, for me. Upon his head a crown of thorns, upon his heart my shame. For me he prayed, for me he died, and dying spoke my name. Forgive him, O forgive, he cried, then bowed his sacred head. O Lamb of God, my sacrifice, for me thy blood was shed. His voice I hear, his love I know, I worship at his feet. And kneeling there at Calvary's cross, redemption is complete. Crucified, crucified and nailed upon the tree with pierced hands and feet inside for you, for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to be born to die, to be crucified in my place for my sin, for my shame. And I thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the reminder that we have in the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So those who are partaking, I invite you now to um, come and collect the items. If those in the first few rows would stand and come through the centre aisle or the aisles on the far sides and come forward and collect. If you would hold these emblems and then we'll partake together.
So let's take the bread together and eat in remembrance of him. And now taking the cup, let's drink together. Father, we thank you that we can do as you've commanded to eat this bread and drink this cup in remembrance of your death till you come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Please stand. Let's sing another song together.
before you take a seat, please say hi to someone around you. Good evening, church. Great to see you this evening. It's my pleasure to uh, be introducing to you a couple of guys here. This is Alex, and this is Bo, and this is their mate, Andreas. Alex and Bo are getting baptised uh, a lot through, uh, as a result, somewhat through the friendship of Andreas. So, uh, Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, he left us the Great Commission. It wasn't the great omission, it's not the great suggestion, but it's the great commission, and that is to go into all the world and make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And baptism is the outward sign of what happens in our hearts when we follow Christ. When we go into the water, it symbolizes us dying to our old life, being buried. Being immersed in the water symbolizes us having our sins washed away, and then coming up out of the water symbolizes us coming to new life. That's what's happened in these boys' lives, and so I'd, I'd like to introduce them and uh, invite them to tell you their testimony. I'll give it to Alex first. As uh, David said, I'm uh, Alex, so... G'day church. Um, about seven months ago, I decided to go to church with my mate Andreas. At the time, I was atheist and I didn't really know anything about the faith and I was sceptical whether it was really true. Uh, but I went anyways and thank God I did because what preacher David said that day really spoke to me and I returned the following two weeks to hear more about the word of God. About a month later, I was in a tough spot. I was working a hard job with little time off and recently been heartbroken. I was feeling depressed and overwhelmed and felt like I was in a deep pit that I couldn't climb out of. However, around the same time, I discovered worship music and Christian podcasts and I'd listen to them as I worked and often four to five hours at a time learning more and absorbing uh, information about this uh, incredible man named Jesus. One day whilst working, I was doing my usual thing, listening to podcasts, and something really struck me. Jesus died on the cross for you. He was so undeserving of punishment, and yet he took yours and sacrificed his own life because he loves you that much. This really hit me hard. As At the, at the time, I was feeling worthless, and yet this man that I have never met took my punishment and died for me because he loves me. Uh, with this realization and newfound passion, I wanted to learn more, so I began reading the Bible, um, praying for God to be in my life, going to church and small group, and began taking classes. I still had doubts if this man uh, was really who he said he was. And However, I, as I learned more, I realized that it took as much faith to be atheist as it does to be Christian due to this, the massive amounts of evidence for Christ. At this stage, I knew who I wanted to live for and knew it in my heart to be true. Um, I began repenting, doing a 180 for my former lifestyle, and with this, my life also took a 180. 
uh, God had filled that hole in my heart, taking away the loneliness and sadness and replacing it with a sense of fulfillment and joyfulness. I also saw my grades at uni increase and like it's and my motivation as well over time and it really really uh, helped. God still is completely changing my life and I know that he's going to continue to set me challenges that I must face down the path and that will force me to make tough decisions but I know that he's doing it in my best interests. Uh, most importantly I thank God for making these changes in my life. I wouldn't be in the same place that I am now without him. I'd also like to thank uh, Preacher David, Preacher Ching, Andreas Schultz and anyone else who has helped me through the journey and taught me about our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Thank you. All right. <laughs> thank you, Alex. Uh, that was a good testimony and good evening, church. So, um, yeah, I stand here today uh, to share my testimony of how I found hope, redemption and a new life in Jesus Christ. Um, before I encountered Jesus, um, my, my life was filled with like emptiness, despair, and I over, overall just felt lost, um, def definitely um, desperately searching for something to fill my heart. Um, so I pursued seeking, of course, like material things and objects, and no matter how hard I tried, um, it didn't give me a lasting joy and peace. So um, in the midst of this, I encountered the unconditional love of God, and through the Holy Spirit, I realized that I was great, created for a greater purpose than myself. Um, I came to understand uh, that true fulfillment and meaning, and that the found in the personal relationship of God. So yeah, as I delved into the Word of God, um, my heart was like awakened, and I felt the truth of the Lord's saving grace. Um, so thanks to the Bible, Andreas and David, um, I learned that Jesus, the Son of God, uh, came to earth, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross to pay for sins. Um, so his sacrificial love really meant a lot to me, and that um, it was quite overwhelming, and that I realized that I could never earn salvation through my own efforts. Um, it was through faith in Jesus Christ that I could re receive forgiveness. Um, so with a repentant heart, um, I stand here today to surrender my life to Jesus and accepting him as my true Lord and Savior. Um, comparing myself now to before, uh, I'll say I've seen a vastly positive change in myself and that uh, the weight of my past sins feel lifted and just washed clean by the blood of Jesus. So today I feel like I'm a new person and freed from sin. So hopefully uh, this testimony may just serve as a saving power of Jesus Christ. And I pray that others who are also lost uh, may also encounter his love and that the joy of a transformed life. Uh, thank you and grace be to God. I'm going to lead us in prayer for Alex and for Bo. Father in heaven, I thank you for these two young men that have come to new life. You have snatched them out of the darkness, out of their lostness. You've washed them clean. You've made them new creations. We can hear that in their testimony. Father, you are the resurrected... Sorry, Father, you 
rose Jesus from the dead. He is the king. He is the one we want to follow. And so I ask that Alex and Bo would follow the Lord Jesus, their king and master, from this day on. They have their whole lives ahead of them. I pray, Lord, it would be a life of humility and servant-heartedness towards you and to your kingdom. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that your spirit would empower them for the rest of their days. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go get baptized, eh? you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen to that. It is always, always encouraging when we have baptism, isn't it? Because, you know, what greater joy is there than to see people coming forward and putting their faith and declaring their trust in Jesus Christ. And so if you are here if you, and you are not baptized and you're thinking about it after that, you know, come and speak to us. We will more than happy to speak with you and chat with you and um, talk about baptism and what it means in your life. My name is Chin. I'm one of the pastors here at Subi Church. And one of the things that we do as a church, as a church family, really is to memorize scripture together. And every, every month we have a new passage that we're memorizing. So uh, there should be a card on your seat that looks something like this. So feel free to grab one. For the month of June, we are memorizing and remembering the, merciful, the mercy of God. So we are uh, memorizing this passage from Luke chapter 6. And so hopefully you are ready. It is a pretty simple, pretty straightforward um, uh, verse, but one that reveals the heart of God towards us in Christ. And so we want to keep that deep in our hearts. So let's do that together. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Fantastic. So please keep memorizing that. Keep remembering who God is through this scripture. And now this is the time where I invite all the primary school age children. You can now head up to your Subi Kids classes. If you are here, you haven't registered your children and you're visiting us, feel free to register your child. I'll bring them upstairs, introduce yourself to the leaders, and then you can come back and join us after that. Now one of the things that you can see on your seat, there should be a connect card that looks something like this. Or if you prefer an uh, online version of that on your phone, you can just scan the QR code on the screen or on the uh, chair in front of you. This is one of the ways that we can find out what's going on in your life and we can pray for you, especially if you have a prayer point. If something's going on in your life, you need prayer. This is a great way that you can do that to get connected with us and we can help you and pray for you and help get you connected to either telling you more about the church or more about small groups or if you would like to get baptized just take, I would like to get baptized and we will contact you and follow up with you. 
So please take the time between now and the end of the service. Even if you've been here for 20 years, we ask that you just fill that out. If you don't have anything to say, that's okay. Just fill out your name so that we know that you're here. Just do that between now and the end of the service, and then you can drop it in the box at the back, or you can do it uh, via your smartphone. And one of the things that we also encourage people to think about and to pray about is offering. Part of, uh, as we heard from the testimonies of Bo and Alex, is that we recognize Christ has come and He has given His life for us. And part of our response to God, part of our worship to God is through our offering. And we want to give with joy, we want to give with thanksgiving, because this is what Christ has done for us. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, this is what Jesus says uh, He has come to do. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He has done that for us. And part of our worship is to give back to Him through our offering. And these offerings are used for the gospel, for gospel ministry. And so um, this is an opportunity for us to worship God. You can do that via online. If you haven't set up an online giving, you can do that. There are uh, green slips that you, with instructions on how to do that, or you can give physically through the cubbyhole on your left as you go up. So let me pray quickly for the offering. And thank God for His grace and mercy in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your goodness and grace in Christ. As part of our worship here this evening, we do ask and pray that we give with a cheerful heart. Give as part of our worship. Give as part of our gratitude to what You have done for us in Christ. And so, Father, we ask and pray that as we give these funds will be used for your glory and used for the gospel, the spread of the gospel here in Perth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now before we go to our congregational prayer, there are a few upcoming events in the life of the church. There's a bunch of them that's coming up. So first one, very important, we have the Connect Lunch that's on the 18th of June. This is for those of us who are fairly new to the church or you've been attending and you haven't had the opportunity to meet with any of the ministry leaders or the pastors or the elders, this is a great time where you can come, have a meal together right on a Sunday after the second service and we get to tell you more about the church and there's an opportunity to chat and uh, get, to get connected with the leaders of the church. So that's on Sunday the 18th of June, 12.15, Activity Room 1 upstairs. And so if you're interested to come, if you can come, and we, I would love to see you there, please write that on your Connect card so that uh, you can RSVP so that we know how many people are coming and we can plan for the amount of people to cater for. Uh, lunch will be provided, so we would love to see you there. And we'd we'll love to tell you more about the church. And more importantly, we would love to get to know you, get to know who you are, and get to know how we can help you integrate into our church. Let's connect lunch. What's coming up as well after that is the hour of prayer. That's coming up on the 21st of June. That's from 7 to 8 p.m. here in the church cafe. That's a Wednesday evening. And one of the things that we have done for this year is that we want to encourage people to come together physically once again to pray. Because something happens when the people of God prays together. God hears our prayers. We can approach our Heavenly Father, we can approach the throne of grace, and we can intercede on behalf of so many things in our world. And it is fantastic that we can do that as a church family. And so let me encourage you to come if you are able to. 21st of June, 
7 to 8 p.m. in a church cafe where we come together with brothers and sisters. We intercede to God. And if you are someone who doesn't know how to pray out loud, that's okay. Come and learn or come and just be silent and pray silently. That's okay. Because we would just love to see our brothers and sisters in Christ there praying together. And what's coming up as well, we have the men's and ministry, uh, men's and women's ministry evening. So first is the men's evening on the Wednesday 14th of June, 7 to 9 p.m. in the church cafe. And they are going to be looking at five hard truths for men from the scriptures and how as men we can uh, live out these five hard truths and how these five hard truths actually are countercultural. It is so hard in our current day culture where so much of our culture is against what God is about. And we want to come and we want to support one another, learn about these things uh, and uh, encourage one another to live for God. So for the men, that's the 14th of June. Dinner is provided for a cost of $10. So please, if you are able, RSVP on your Connect card so that we know how many people are coming. Uh, We can uh, cater for that. For the women's ministry evening, that's the 28th of June, so that's a few weekends, a few weeks after that, 7.30 to 9, also in the church cafe. And what they are doing throughout the years is that they are focusing on the attributes of God, and they're learning more about the attributes of God as we memorize them through Scripture. And for this session, they are focusing on the immutability of God, the unchangeability of God. And so for next month's, spoiler, next month's Scripture at Subi, we're going to be memorizing something about God's immutability, and the women, they are going to look at that for the, on the 28th of June. So Esther Ong, who serves as a BSF teaching leader, she's going to be uh, there speaking about how that makes a difference in the lives of uh, a Christian. So 7.30 to 9 p.m. on the 28th of June in the church cafe. If you can, uh, once again, RSVP. And the last announcement, um, we have a few initiatives at church. We want to support uh, great organizations and great initiatives so we have the Pregnancy Problem House, and we want to support them and help them. It is a Christian organization that's really working with women and working with families who are experiencing unintended or unsupported pregnancy. And so they do need non-perishable food to be donated. They do have a need for that for the women and the families. So if you are able to, if you can, give some canned food, other essential items, we will be collecting these things on the 24th and 25th of June, so the last weekend of June. So bring along these items to donate, drop them off at church that weekend, 24th and 25th of June. We will remind you before that. And there's also a critical need for new car seats, not used, new car seats for newborns, uh, because those things are very important for a new family, as you can imagine. So if you can help purchase or contribute towards Uh, one of these car seats, again, come, uh, be ready to give, be ready to donate in that way. So please consider that. Please pray about that because that's one of the ways that as a church, we are so blessed and we want to be a blessing to the people uh, who need all these things. And so for more information, you can scan the QR code behind me or there are pamphlets of flyers uh, in the cubby hall or on top of the uh, piano outside, you can pick up and then you can have a read and find out more about um, this particular ministry. So Pregnancy Problem House. That's all the announcements that we have. And one of the things that we have really introduced, so hopefully you've noticed this, is that we want to have congregational prayer during our time of worship. We want 
God's people to pray. We want God's people to come and intercede to God. And so we will, we will be doing that right now. Let me lead you in that prayer right now. So please bow your heads and we will pray and intercede and talk to God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for another, for another day where we can gather as your people to worship you and to hear from you. In Hebrews 10, you, we read that you call us, you call us to continue meeting together as your people to encourage one another towards love and good deeds. And so, Lord, here we are as your people. Help us to hold unswervingly to the hope that we have in Christ, trusting that you are the faithful God who keeps all your promises. And so today, give us your grace as we hear from your gospel word. We pray for your spirit to work in us, transforming us to be more like Jesus, clear our minds from all earthly distractions so that we can focus solely upon you. May your spirit convict us once again of any sins and help us to repent of them. May your spirit turn our eyes upon Christ for our assurance of salvation. We also pray for those in our church family. Church family who are going through sickness, going through medical, serious medical conditions. We pray that you give wisdom and skills to the doctors and nurses who are part of the recovery process. And we pray for those who have not been able to come physically to our weekend gatherings. May you bless them and encourage them wherever they are by your spirit. And we do thank you for technology that they can still watch our services. But yet we do ask and pray that you bring them back safely to our midst when they can. And we pray for those who have come with a heavy heart, with heavy minds, occupied by the worries and anxieties of this world. We pray for those who might be going through hardships and suffering, suffering that sometimes we cannot understand why we're going through what we're going through. We pray that your spirit will help us to focus our minds upon Christ this evening. Let Christ carry the burdens of our soul. And we also pray for David, Pastor David, as he preaches your word today. May your word penetrate our hearts, renew our minds, motivate our hands as we worship, glorify, and obey you. May your spirit take your word and let it take root deep in our hearts so that we are like the tree planted by streams of water bearing fruit for your kingdom. And so, Father, we bring these prayer requests before you. And we thank you that you hear our prayers that we can boldly approach you because all of what Christ has done for us. And so, Father, we pray all this and we give you all these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This week's Bible reading is taken from two passages, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 15, and Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 30. And if you are able to, I invite you to stand with me as we read from God's word. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, 
Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And from Romans 8, 18 to 30, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, 
we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. You may take a seat. Well, good evening, everyone. If you're here visiting or here for the first time, great to have you with us. My name's David, one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, we hope that your time with us is a blessed one, and we uh, hope that you could you could consider making Subi Church your church home. I want to begin by showing you a brief video uh, with a man called Stephen Fry, who is an atheist, he's a social commentator uh, and uh, an actor. Uh, Take a look. Suppose it's all true Mm. and you walk up to the pearly gates and you are confronted by God. What will Stephen Fry say to him her or it? I will basically, what's known as the Odyssey, I think, I, I'll say bone cancer in children? What's that about? How dare you? How dare you create a world in which there is such misery that is not our fault? It's not right. It's utterly, utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain? That's what I'd say. And you think you're going to get in on that? No, but I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to get in on his terms. They're wrong. Now, if I died and it was was Pluto, Hades, and if it was the 12 Greek gods, then I would have more truck with it because the Greeks were... They didn't pretend not to be human in their appetites and in their capriciousness and in their unreasonableness. They didn't present themselves as being all-seeing, all-wise, all-kind, all-beneficent. Because the God who created this universe, if it was created by God, is quite clearly a maniac, utter maniac, totally selfish, totally... We have to spend our life on our knees thanking him? What kind of God would do that? Yes, the world is very splendid, but it also has in it insects whose whole life cycle is to burrow into the eyes of children and make them blind. They eat outwards from the eyes. Why? Why did you do that to us? You could easily have made a a creation in which that didn't exist. It is simply not acceptable. So, you know, atheism is not just about not believing there is a... not believing there's a God, but on the assumption that there is one, what kind of God is he? It's perfectly apparent that he is monstrous, utterly monstrous, and deserves no respect whatsoever. The moment you banish him, your life becomes simpler, purer, cleaner, more worth living, in my opinion. That sure is the longest answer to that question that I ever got in this entire series. 
What did you think of that? The question of suffering is one of the hardest questions that we face as human beings. Every time a tsunami destroys lives or a pandemic wreaks havoc or there's a, a crash, in, you know, a train crash in India like last week which leaves a trail of human misery behind, every time that happens, we ask, why? Why, God, did you let that happen? Every time a child dies of cancer, we ask, why? Why couldn't you have created a world without suffering? And we ask these questions because we're trying to hold together what we know about God. If God is all-loving, then the only explanation for suffering seems to be that he's not all-powerful. He wants to do something about it, but he can't. And that is a frightening thought because it means that evil is stronger than God. On the other hand, if God is all-powerful, the only explanation seems to be that then God is not all-loving. He could do something about it, but he doesn't care. And that is a frightening thought. Who wants to trust in a God who is either bad or weak? But of course, the Bible is very clear that God is both all-loving and all-powerful. Well, so then, why didn't God create a world without suffering? Well, we just heard God's answer in our Bible reading this evening. And God's answer is very different from the one that we heard in the interview. And we also heard in our Bible reading that God uses our suffering to bring about our ultimate good. Now, how does that work and what is our ultimate good? Well, we're going to take a look together. Uh, this evening, there are, there are four points in the message. Uh, doesn't mean the message is any longer. It's just that that's the way that the, the passage fell into four parts. The first point is this. Creation groans for the glory to come. Have a look with me in verse 16. If you have your Bible in front of you, that would be great. Otherwise, it will be behind me. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the beautiful truth that as a Christian you are a child of God is communicated to our minds through the scriptures, but more than that, it is communicated to our spirit. The spirit is the deepest dimension of our person. It is the aspect of the human person which relates most directly to God. It's the place where the human and the divine interface in a believer's life. And God's spirit provokes our spirit to cry, Abba, Father. The profoundest of deep longings. The law required two witnesses for an adoption to be made legal. And we have the Holy Spirit and the Spirit testifying that we are God's children. Have a look with me in verse 17. 
Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Believers will share in God's glory and the glory of the Son for all eternity. God's glory is the visible manifestation of his greatness. Right? So God is invisible, he's spirit, we can't see him, but a number of times through the Old Testament, he manifested himself in physical form, and at those times the people saw his glory. They saw his glory. God's glory is the visible manifestation of his presence. It is, it's the radiance of his splendor. It is the magnificence of his presence. It is the unapproachable purity of his holiness. And in the age to come, we will see, savor, experience that glory. That's God's inherent glory, the glory that he has in himself. God's glory is also the fact that he is the highest, he has the highest position in the universe. He's the CEO of the universe, right? He has that glory. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He has that positional glory. And also God's glory is his reputation and the honor of his name. That's his relational glory. And God's glory will be revealed to us. And I mean, we'll be gobsmacked when we see it, when we experience it. But more than just being revealed to us, it's going to be revealed in us. We are going to share in it. So as believers, we are going to have inherent glory. Our bodies are going to be changed into immortal, incorruptible resurrection bodies that are ethically perfect. We're going to be co-heirs with Christ. We're going to have a positional glory. What does that mean, that we're co-heirs with Christ? Who, who knows? And we will receive the glory of being, uh, the glory and praise of, from God for our work here as Christians. We're going to receive relational glory. That is what we've got to look forward to. But the pathway to future glory is the same as it was for Christ, which is through suffering. We must go the same way as Christ. But the glory to come is so great that the suffering we experience now is like a pregnant mother's birth pains. The pain may be immense, but the joy to come will completely overshadow the pain. When my wife, Maya, was in labour, uh, for, for a number of reasons, she had to do it without an epidural with our kids. But she's my hero. No epidural. Now, I didn't appreciate how painful labour was for her, but also for me. Um, every time my wife had a contraction, she would dig her arm into my wrist and draw blood. I tried to break her hold, but it was like the Hulk was holding me. Every time the contraction ended, I tried to run away, but she would just grab me again and draw blood. 
The nurse obviously thought that I was in pain. She said, do you want to suck on the gas? I said, thank you. She said, no, I meant your wife, sir. I said, oh, yeah, okay. And I wasn't prepared for how tiring the whole uh, labour thing is, right? I had to massage my wife's back for eight hours, run, move the car, get some ice for her to suck on. But when the baby came, the joy completely overshadowed the pain that, I had, that my wife had experienced, right? The glory to come is so great that it will, in, that will completely overshadow the pain of your suffering. And some of you really need to hear that today. Have a look with me in verse 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Creation groans for the day when believers will share in the glory to come, because on that day, creation itself will be renewed. Right now, the created order, with all its natural disasters and its bone cancer in children and its parasites in eyes that cause blindness, creation is groaning in pain and frustration at its brokenness. But the brokenness of creation is not the fault of God, as Stephen Fry accuses God, a God that he doesn't even believe in. Creation's brokenness, as we've heard this, morning, this evening in our Bible reading, what did it say? Creation's brokenness is because of Adam and Eve's rebellion. Adam and Eve gave God the fork, stay out of my life, and God righteously judged them. And as a result, creation was cursed by God, which had devastating consequences. From cancer cells which grow out of control, to tsunamis which flow out of control, to volcanoes which blow out of control, creation is malfunctioning badly, isn't it? And creation is, de is in desperate need of more than just a service and an oil change. Creation needs a complete Engine overhaul. But when God subjected creation to frustration, there was hope from the very beginning. Did you pick that up in the Genesis Bible reading? The Lord God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God promises that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head which was fulfilled when God got off his throne, was born of a woman, and crushed the serpent Satan on the cross. And he will return for final deliverance when the children of God, you and I, are revealed. Now, Christians, we are already children of God, but we do not much appear like God's special children at times, do we, in our weakness and in our suffering? 
But when we reach the glory to come, our true identity will be revealed to the universe and our, our transformation into Christ-likeness will be brought to its final stage. And so creation longs for that day. But creation is not the only thing groaning. So creation groans for the glory to come, but Christians groan for the glory to come. Have a look with me in verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. There was a national survey that asked the question, if you could, go, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? Uh, the number one question people wanted to ask was, why does a good God allow suffering? Uh, there was an interesting statistical quirk. People who are married were much more likely to want to know why there's so much suffering, especially the husbands. That last bit's not true. Now, different belief systems throughout history have tried to make sense of the suffering in our world and have come up with various explanations. For example, Hinduism explains suffering as karma, as balance or payback. Uh, all actions of the past are balanced out by the events of the present. So bone cancer in a child is because of the bad actions of the family in the past. Buddhism says, well, all suffering is just an illusion. What we need to do is to escape the world into nirvana. Islam says that all events are predetermined by the will of Allah. And we're not to ask why, because the ways of Allah are beyond our small minds. Atheism says, well, the universe is just a cosmic accident, and so randomness means that some people are going to get lucky, some people are going to get hurt, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. But no, God's word tells us that suffering is a result of Adam and Eve's sin. We are born into Adam's realm, which is characterized by disease, disaster, and death. That is the world that we live in. But as we've seen over the last few weeks, we have been transferred out of that realm into the realm of Christ. But there's this overlap of the ages, as we've been learning. There's this overlap of the ages. Although we are God's children, our, our, our ties to the old age have not yet been severed. We're still caught up into this fallen world. And so we, we have to endure all the hardship that comes with our hostile and decaying environment. We're not immune from disease, disaster, death yet as Christians. We experience the blessings of the new age, but in the midst of the weakness of the old. And so we groan. We groan. It's frustrating. 
And in the midst of our pain and suffering, we might groan to God, God, when have you ever experienced pain like I've experienced? God the Father replies, I know your pain. I know what it's like to lose a child. And God the Son once stood on the rim of the universe looking at the world that needed a saviour and he said to his father, I will go. And he entered our suffering. We don't worship a God who is immune to suffering, do we? He knows your pain, not just because he's all-knowing, but because he's experienced it firsthand. But suffering is not the final word. One day Christ will return and the old age will be completely destroyed. There will be no more disease, disaster, death. We of all the world views have this hope. None of the others have this hope. But until then, we groan. We groan because we're yearning to be out of this old age and to be with Christ. While there's still more groaning going on, thirdly, the Spirit groans as we wait for the glory to come. Have a look with me in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with with the will of God. So you and I, if you're a Christian here today, you have been given the spirit, which is the first fruits. You know, in farming, when you see the first fruits of the harvest, that is the guarantee that the rest of the harvest will soon be coming as well, right? And so you and I, we've been given the spirit, which is the first fruits of the age to come. It is the guarantee, it is the deposit, it is the first instalment. And the spirit helps us in our weakness. We've been seeing that over the last few weeks. And today, we particularly see that the Spirit helps us when we pray. Because of our finiteness, our finiteness and our fallibility, we don't have an adequate grasp of what to pray for all the time, do we? You find yourself not knowing what to pray for. My loved one is sick with cancer and they're in immense pain. What do I pray for? Do I pray that they will live on? Of course I want that, but they're in so much pain. Well then, do I pray that they will go and be with the Lord? But then I don't want them to be because I want, I want them to be with me. How do I pray? I don't know. And so what that means is when you and I pray, we need to qualify our prayers almost always with if it's your will, Lord, because we don't know. But when we don't know what to pray for, when we, we pray for things that are not best for us or when we might not be able to think clearly because we're just hurting so much, we don't need to despair because the Spirit of God intercedes for us with wordless groans that are imperceptible to us. The Spirit is doing that for us. It's the prayer of God to God. And it's so deep that it needs no words. And that is happening within you. This makes a line of perfect communication because the Spirit prays 
in perfect accord with the will of God and the Father answers those prayers because they are in accord with his will. That's what's going on. That is happening as you are living your life. The Spirit is interceding for you. What comfort we get from that. And final point. CB Church groans for the end of the sermon to come. That's, it is hot in here, so I can understand why you're groaning. I don't know who wrote that, who put that up there. No, God's purpose for us is to share in the glory of his son. Have a look with me in verse 28. And we know that in some things God works for the good of those who love him. Is that right? And we know that in a few things God works for the good of those who love him. Is that right? No. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? In all things, God works for your good. Now the question is, what is your good? Is your good that you will be happy all the time? Does your good mean that you will always be wealthy and healthy? Well, this is a typically Western perversion of good into an exclusively materialistic interpretation. God has a much higher good in mind for us than just health, wealth. He tells us in the next two verses, have a look in verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What is the ultimate good that God has in mind for you? It is that you would be conformed to the image of his Son and that you would be glorified. You would share in his glory. That is his ultimate good for you. See, there's a destination which has been set in motion before the beginning of time. And that is to provide Christ with a family of brothers and sisters who are imprinted with his likeness. A family in which Jesus is firstborn, which doesn't mean born first, but means preeminent. And for Christ's brothers and sisters, you and I, to share in that glory. God's plans are centered around Christ always, and we are caught up in those plans. So of all the ambitions that you may have in life, of all the things you might dedicate your life to, the one that God really cares about is that you are transformed by the Holy Spirit into the likeness of Christ. That's what he really cares about. That you would exhibit love, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, holiness. That's what he wants you to care about. Where is that on your priority list? Where is that on my priority list? Paul describes in these verses what is called God's golden chain of salvation. Thanks, Linda Lee, for this slide. It's great. So 
Before the beginning of time, this chain has been set in motion. We have been foreknown. So if you're a believer, God foreknew you, which means he foreloved you. He set his love upon you before the creation of the world. He then predetermined your destiny. He predestined you, chose you to be his child. He then called you, which means he irresistibly wooed you to himself. He decided that you would decide to follow him. And when you did, he justified you. He declared you righteous. And you will be glorified. Now, glorified, it was written here in the past tense. Because although our glorification is going to be in the future, it is as good as done because the defined decision has already been made. All those with whom God begins this process, complete it, right? There are no dropouts. This is not high school or uni. There are no dropouts. If you're a believer, he will take you on that path and you will be glorified if you remain in him. So what these verses are telling us is that God is our shepherd. He is in your life, each one of your lives, and he's acting behind the scenes without you consciously aware of it. And he's sovereignly organizing all your circumstances so that his plan for you will come about. There's nothing in your life that is not used by God to make sure you get to his final destination for you. He'll work in your weaknesses, in your illnesses, in your relationship breakups, in your loss of job to bring about good in your life. So the bad stuff that you experience, that I experience, are not obstacles to our ultimate good. They are actually the means by which our good is accomplished. I just want to spend the last few moments just thinking about the cross. Imagine it's 2,000 years ago and uh, you are in the crowd and you are watching Christ being crucified. You are in the crowd. You've already seen him being beaten, being stripped naked, shamed, his crown of thorns skewered on his head. You've seen these big six-inch nails, rusty, go through one hand and then the other, through his ankles. He is up on the cross. He is gasping for air. He's slowly asphyxiating to death. And the person next to you in the crowd says, how could God possibly bring any good out of this? And if you were back then, you would have agreed with them. You would have said, how could God possibly bring any good out of a crucifixion? But now, this side of the cross, we now know that the cross was the greatest good that God could ever have done for us. So in your life, whenever you don't know the reasons for your suffering, for your cross, you can look at the cross and you can know that God works all things out for your good. Which is what? To be conformed to the likeness of the Son and to share in his glory. And if Stephen Fry was in front of you right now, how would you answer his uh, rant 
Well, the question, is God all-loving and is he all-good, is answered at the cross, isn't it? Because we can see that he's all-loving because he himself got off his throne and suffered in order to fix our suffering which we brought on ourselves. And we can see that he's all-powerful because God outmaneuvers, outsmarts and outpowers Satan at the cross. See, the sun turns up and Satan and his demons want to plot to kill him. But through the cross, God sets a trap, doesn't he? As Satan and his demons go out to kill the son, imagine a junior demon that is too junior to go out with the other demons, so he gets left back at headquarters. And when the rest come back after killing Christ, the junior demon says, well, how did it go? Imagine the look on the rest of the demons' faces when they say, hmm, we still can't work out what happened. But we think, by killing the son, we may have accidentally kick-started the salvation of the world. This is a major case of, dude, you had one job. At the cross, Satan gets double bluffed. So when bad things happen to us, we may fail to see God's purposes in it. But we can trust that he has our ultimate good in mind and he has the power to carry it out. And his ultimate good is that you would be conformed to his son, to the likeness of his son, and you would share in his glory forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word comforts us that our groaning will soon be over. I pray for those amongst us who are groaning, and I know there are many. I pray you would be with them in their groaning. That their illness, that their suffering that they're going through right now, that you would be with them, that you would comfort them, that you would remind them that the glory to come will overshadow completely their present suffering. And Lord, let us be reminded that you know what it's like to suffer. So we can call on you and we can ask you to help because you know and you've been there. And I pray for each one of us, Lord. Thank you for the, that, for the assurance that you will take us to be with you in glory, that this chain cannot be broken. And I pray for each one of us that we would spend our days doing what you want us to do, which is to be conformed to the likeness of your Son. So we pray that your Spirit would transform us, would shape us, so that we might have the imprint of your precious Son on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, David, for a great message. Let's stand together. Let's sing in response to that.
This week I turned 51, and do you know how I spent it? I was in bed at 7pm with the flu, groaning and shivering through the night. And not just any old flu, it was the man flu, and they are worse. Girls, trust us, they are worse. And I think it's more than a coincidence, but lately it's, it seems that I keep living out the experience of what I'm preaching the following week. Remember, I preached on forgiveness a few months ago, and I, had, I found out about that guy who hacked into my Netflix account with whom I had to forgive. So to test my theory that I keep living out the experience of what I'm preaching, next week I'm preaching on holidays in Hawaii. <laughs> we'll see if that works. Let me finish with a benediction. Father, I thank you for each pre precious person here this evening. Fill us with your spirit. Give us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.